0: Hello, and welcome to the Digital Rookie Podcast. My name is Patrick Quay. In this week's episode, I sit down with Karen Ramming, head of social media for the Golden State Warriors. Not only is this one of the coolest jobs in the world from a sports fan's perspective, but as one of the biggest sporting brands in the world, the Golden State Warriors have over 31 million followers across social media. Karen and I discuss the year that has been 2020 and some of the opportunities that have presented as a result of the changing digital landscape. I also asked Karen about the role of women in the sports marketing digital media industry, her role models, and how the great culture at the Warriors makes it such a fantastic place to work. If you enjoy this episode, then make sure to let me know in the review section on Apple Podcasts. I really appreciate any feedback. If you wish to connect with Karen or myself on LinkedIn, you can find links in the description below. Make sure to follow at Digital Rookie Hub on Instagram for more content and visit our website, digitalrookiehub.com. While you're at it, don't miss an episode of the podcast by clicking that subscribe button. Okay, I think that's enough rambling on from me. Enjoy my chat with Karen. So Karen, thank you so much for joining me on my podcast today.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me.
0: And uh, joining me from across the world as well. So um, I love getting the Digital Rookie Podcast going a bit international lately. So yeah, can you give just a bit of an insight into your professional background and your experience?
1: Absolutely. So... My current position is the senior manager of social media with the Golden State Warriors and Chase Center. Um, obviously, this is an insanely cool job, and I am so, so grateful to have it. And kind of how I ended up here is it can be a bit of a long story, but I think that it's worth it just to yeah. kind of show the progress from undergrad to getting to a senior senior management position at a global branch such as this. I graduated from the University of Oregon. I attended two colleges, but U of O is the one that I graduated from. While I was there, I was part of the journalism school, and I was um, studying journalism with an emphasis on public relations because I had the intention of going into a more traditional PR role upon graduation in the food beverage and hospitality industry. Okay. I bartended through college and after college, so I was just like really comfortable in that space. So it's like PR in that space, perfect. And around midpoint my junior year, I realized that I should probably get some actual hands-on experience in the PR world beyond my classes. So I sought out an internship, and it turns out that the student section on the University of Oregon campus was hiring, hiring student-led, student-run. So it was, you know, hmm. a student internship. Um, and I had never really considered sports as a career path before. Um, you know, I ran through high school and a little bit in college, and so I was really familiar with athletics, and I love athletics, but. I just didn't think of it as a viable option so when this internship popped up i was like you know let's just give it a shot like let's see if sports could go anywhere um so i worked with the oregon pit crew as their pr director for about a year and a half um i say pr director but it was really kind of a blend of pr and marketing we would do a lot of tabling for events i would draft and send out press releases i would help manage social media handles um i'd reach out to pac-12 network for instance came to one of our events um, when we were unveiling that year's new t-shirt. Uh, the big thing about pit crew is when you're in, you get like a custom t-shirt from Nike and sometimes you get a pair of shoes. Okay. And so it's kind of this blend of PR and marketing. And toward the end of my senior year, I decided to actually pursue sports. And so I reached out for an informational interview with the director of marketing for Town USA, which is a nonprofit event organizing committee in Eugene. They put on like the Olympic trials, the NCAA championships, just all the major track and field meets there. And I did it with the intention of just kind of understanding her background and how she got to work in sports. And toward the end of it, she actually mentioned, you know, our PR director, he's looking for an assistant. I think you would be a good fit. And so then it turned into an actual job interview, got the job, and I worked in a PR role for Track Town for about six months. Um, you know, I was drafting and sending press releases, working in the media mix zone. But then part of my job was also social media. And I point that out because keep in mind this was 2015. This was before there were a lot of social media specific roles that were even available. Um, it by no means was even like a legitimate career path for a lot of folks. You know, they kind of just as a line item as somebody's job rather than somebody's whole job. Mm-hmm. And while I was working at Tracktown, I realized that that was the part of my job that I enjoyed the most. You know, it kind of takes. This unique blend of the communications aspect of public relations as well as the creative blend of marketing, and you put them together and you essentially have social media, but you get to also engage directly with fans. And so while I was realizing this, um, I was chatting with somebody who worked for PAC 12 Network over Twitter DMs, and he was like, You know, it's not full time, but my boss, he's a big track and field fan, he noticed the work that you're doing on Trackdown's accounts, he's impressed, and we always are accepting applications for part-time freelance social media producers. And I was like, oh, okay. So I applied and probably against better judgment, honestly, I left my full-time salaried good job in Eugene to move down to the most expensive city in the United States and work part-time for non-guaranteed hours at $15 an hour and bartend full-time on the side. Um, and it was kind of just like, a, I was like, you know, if I want to try this, I have to go all in and I have to give it a shot. So that was my year giving it a shot. Um, after a year of doing it part time, I was promoted to full time. My third year at Pac-12, I was promoted to managing the social media team. So I had anywhere between five and six direct reports of time. And then after managing the team for a year, I saw the job posting for Golden State Warriors. And I was like, okay like I might as well
0: that sounds pretty cool yeah
1: yeah and so I was like okay like let's give it a shot so I submitted the application honestly didn't think I would get a call back I was you know there's just like rumors about the NBA being like so hard to get into and really Hmm. exclusive and you have to know someone I didn't know anyone it was a cold application I had no leads internally or anything but I got a call and I got the job and now almost two years later I am here (laughs)
0: well that's a great story and I mean you know the things we do to work in sport right and the social media gig at the Golden State Warriors it pretty much doesn't get much bigger than that so congrats and uh, like I guess we'll go further into that role today so obviously bit of elephant in the room at the moment with COVID bit sick of talking about some of the challenges that it presents so I wanted to ask you more about some of the opportunities that COVID's presented the Golden State Warriors from a social media kind of perspective. Can you give us an insight into what you guys have done over the break? And you haven't been involved in the NBA bubble, but what kind of opportunities has that presented you in the last kind of like six months?
1: Yeah, I mean, the last six months in the best way possible have been the longest six months of my career. Um, You know, typically working in sports, Obviously, you don't know honestly, you don't know anything outside of the schedule, I guess, for what's coming. And so you do have to react really quickly and be able to make you know agile decisions and do the right thing and do it right the first time and make sure that it comes out within the news window. Um, and so that's kind of how we're used to operating already. But then with Covid, it was just you know it it was completely unknown. like anybody who claims to have known how to handle COVID and the season being suspended, you know, the day that it was announced, like, I just, it was completely new for us, um, and for everybody across the league and for everybody across sports. And so for the past six months, um, you know, you make a good point, we've talked a lot about challenges, but opportunity, I think that the biggest one that's come out of it is that, you know, when COVID shut almost everything down, everyone kind of realized at the same time, like, digital is our solution here, you know, like, it's, the main outlet that is still functioning like we on the digital side still have to produce content and we still have to make sure that our feeds are doing their jobs in terms of making fans engage with our brand and building that positive brand sentiment online and so internally it just resulted in a lot more people learning about our department and a lot more people understanding what we do and why it's important because prior to this you know we were so focused on like in-game experience and out-of-home marketing and all of these other areas that are incredibly important. But once COVID hit and the season went on hiatus, all of that kind of stopped. And so their heads all kind of pivoted to us at once. And so I think that that was the biggest opportunity for us is just being able to educate our coworkers a little bit more about our department, make them see the value of it, and then ultimately serve as the primary outlet for a lot of the brand marketing or public relations initiatives that we had, whether or not they were related to COVID during this time. And so I'd say the best example of this is, you know, when COVID hit and the season got suspended, there was kind of this like panic online. Um, I'm not sure if it was kind of confined just to the US or if it extended to Australia as well. But whenever you would log online and check Twitter, it was kind of overwhelming. And it was Mm. just like, You know, everyone was like, What is COVID? Is it bad? Is it not bad? What should I be doing? Who should I listen to? Like, it was just chaotic and it was really stressful to get online. So, we regrouped internally and we aligned on our overall brand and marketing um, voice and our overall, you know, objectives for our channels during this time. Um, You know, we ran it all the way up the flagpole with public relations, public affairs, everything. We then Decided to partner. Well, we were already partnered with Kaiser Permanente, but we decided to leverage that partnership to use our channels um, kind of for the greater good, is how we were saying it. You know, we partnered Kaiser's COVID messaging and the authority that they have in that space with our brand look and feel and our global reach. Um, You know, at that point, we had about 45 million followers all across the globe. This was a global pandemic, it is a global pandemic. So we needed to use our channels for good in a way that still made sense for our audience. So We went out the gates with that. And then after we were spreading that message as much as we could, we also realized that we needed to do something about how stressful the social space was at the time and that we needed to pivot parts of our channels back to joy and back to basketball and back to the thing that people all come to our channels to enjoy. So that's when we kind of had to create the delicate balance of for the greater good messaging, you know, as well as making sure that people can like check our channels if they just need a break. From the overwhelming news cycle that is on Twitter, especially, hmm. and that they can find some content of the team and the players that they love and just kind of get a little, get a little bit of a mental break um, from the news cycle. So, yeah, 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 I'd say super long and rambly <laughs> response no. for kind of those two benefits that COVID has brought us.
0: I think one thing I've noticed is just the ability for clubs to kind of reconnect with fans on a yeah, more personal level.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, it connects with them on a personal level, but then that doesn't have to stop whenever the pandemic is resolved. You know, I think that the personal level and the personal approach that we've found with our feeds, given what's going on, I think that it's important for, you know, all of the sports industry to continue, um, even if it's not deemed like necessary anymore. It just, it social is made to connect fans with the teams and players that they love. And Making sure that the content that you produce, whether or not there's a pandemic um, is human and is approachable, is always going to be important.
0: yeah, I, I think that's I think that's a great point. So, Karen, I want to talk about you know women aspiring to work in in sports marketing. what are some of the challenges that that you can face sports marketing? I know it's a largely, male dominated industry yeah what are the challenges and who are some of the role models that you look up to uh in the industry
1: yeah i mean it is a challenge i honestly can't wait until this is no longer a question because it's no longer a big deal for sports you know Um, that day will come i can feel it but yeah i mean there are challenges there's you get questions about, you know, your knowledge of the sport, about your intentions of being in the front office, um, about your credibility. It's just, it does happen. I would say the biggest thing that I've learned being a woman in sports is to prioritize finding an organization to work for where it's not a big deal that you're a woman in sports. And so for me, I really lucked out because GSW is an incredibly progressive organization. You know, it's, it starts at the top. We have the only openly gay NBA president in the league. We have Coach Kerr, who's our head coach. And if you follow him on Twitter, you know that he's incredibly outspoken and he encourages everybody who he works with, whether it be players, front office or whomever else, to do the same. And so I made sure that whenever I was looking for um, my next opportunity, that it would be at an organization where it is progressive and it is not a shock to be a woman working in the industry. And that's important to do because most of the time, whenever you hear the negative comments about your gender and what you do, they're going to come from outside voices. And they're going to come from either trolls on the internet or people that don't actually work with you too often. And so making sure that you have kind of a home where your direct co-workers are your support system and they understand that you are a badass and you got this job based on your credentials, like that's going to be... The saving grace there and that's what like whenever things do get hard for me personally and just starts to like wear me down I know that I can rely on my co-workers to build me back up and to rely on my organization because they support me and they support women um so I'd say that that's my biggest piece of advice obviously I know that like being able to say prioritize working for a, an organization like that is incredibly privileged thing to say and especially working in sports it's so hard to break in and you kind of just have to take whatever whatever opportunity you can um and so if you as a woman do end up in that situation where you work for an organization where it's you know it's not the healthiest environment for you then i would just say like find support system in Because it does exist you might just have to hunt for it a little bit and also find a support system. That's outside whether it's your friends family or anybody else Um, and just making sure that you have people who you can talk to and raise serious issues to if serious issues do arise um, and just kind of build out that circle of trust the trust tree as I like to call it and (laughs) support support is everything but Yeah. No, it'll, it'll get better though. I can kind of feel the tides turning even now the NFL, I think half of the NFL accounts are now run by women, which was a major milestone. And I wow, just think yeah. that we'll keep progressing toward that.
0: Yeah. hundred percent. That's a, that's a great point. And then working in sport, it's something that people care about so much. And so for the people actually working in it and creating the content and like the athletes, even you, you, under constant criticism from everybody every day and in everything you do having a support network it sounds like a a really important
1: thing yeah just one more thing on that i mean you're absolutely right about the criticism and that's going to come regardless of whether or not you're a woman in the industry just by nature of working in social everything literally everything you do is public Mm. and it's impossible to create one piece of content that everybody likes and so that is the other part of things is like being able to develop a thick skin and being able to distill you know just like negative noise into legitimate criticism and take that back to help affect your work but then also understanding when you know the negative comments are coming like which ones are valuable and which ones are not and which ones are warranted and which ones are not Um, which honestly just takes time in the industry and part of the support system as well. And it's just making sure that you like have a mentor. And for me right now, I'm really lucky that my direct boss and her boss are both women. And I've never reported to two women before. And like, yeah, that's super crucial for me, which I didn't even know before I started in this organization with the structure just to have women in these VP and SVP roles who, you know, like they have a family, they're balancing their life and their career, but they're like absolute badasses in their job and so having somebody who can kind of help work with me on the soft skills of being a woman in the industry and just being a pretty ambitious woman in general um, has been really really helpful for me
0: yeah what are what are their names just so anyone listening if they want to like find them on linkedin or something
1: so amanda chin is my boss she is the vp of brand marketing and Jen Malay is her boss. She is the SVP of marketing, and she was actually today just named um, one of Sports Business Journal's top game changers in the sports industry. So,
0: wow, that's that's yeah. awesome. That's yeah, that's great. the pinnacle.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So I want to move on a little bit, just onto kind of your role more specifically. I think one thing you mentioned briefly, and we kind of touched on it, but some of the challenges. Uh, that you have to deal with internally as the manager of the social media strategy, pressure from other parts of the business and dealing with, yeah, those relationships internally.
1: Yeah, that's, I mean, I'd say that that's the main part of my job. Honestly, it's also the trickiest part of my job and it's, I mean, 80% of my job is communication. You know, it's making sure that I'm receiving the information and the resources that I need for my team to do their job but then that I'm also providing the information that relevant parties need to do their jobs. And with social, I think that we've worked with every single department on at least one campaign or initiative that they have. And, you know, it's, it's really great. It's really collaborative. And they come to us and they say like, Hey, we need to do X, Y, and Z. How can this work on social, which is a really healthy approach that I appreciate so much, you know, at the beginning, early stages of social media it was the oh just put it on social approach Mm -hmm. and you're the last one looped in and you just like get this asset that you didn't approve but you have to post it with this language that you didn't approve but now you know things are kind of turning and myself particularly but my team in general is pulled into these conversations earlier so that way we can get ahead of those kinds of requests for what they want on social and we go into them you know, never saying no outright, but instead saying, what about this instead? Because Mm. a lot of the times the objectives or initiatives don't make sense for our social channels. Like that's just how it is. You know, I mentioned we have a super global audience. The majority of them live outside the United States. So that means that the majority of our followers can't attend a game. You know, they say, why would we push tickets on organic social? And that's just like a really easy example. Yeah. But that being said, there's always a solution that involves social And so for tickets, it's going through the paid route and making sure that we'd run them through advertising so that we can actually target the demographics, the location of people who can attend Warriors games, and we're not just spamming our fans. And same thing goes for a lot of other department initiatives. Um, You know, that might be a topic that wouldn't resonate with our main Warriors handles fan base, but it would resonate with our community handles fan base. And so we're like, you know what, let's feed that content through our community handle And if it's appropriate, then we'll amplify it on GSW. And so it's just a matter of making sure that you get ahead of those asks as much as you can with those relevant stakeholders and that you come up with a plan that both parties agree upon for the distribution of whatever it may be. And then you always have a backup plan in case like something doesn't get made or some words change or whatever it may be, you always have a backup plan and that both of those things get communicated to that department or that stakeholder. Um, just to kind of keep everybody in the loop and set expectations and just continue the education on, you know, what social is, what social makes sense.
0: Yeah. I think that's a really good point in terms of creating an engaged audience base online. You want to make sure that the content that they're getting is relevant and makes sense to see. I, I don't need to see golden state warrior, warrior ticket, ticket, no? promos from <laughs> melbourne unfortunately as much as i'd that love to go to you, a game
1: that wouldn't make <laughs> you buy a ticket <laughs> yeah well there's, there'd
0: also be playing tickets involved and uh but yeah i think i think that's a, a a really good point can you explain then the relationship because obviously the warriors have now moved into the chase center uh and so the relationship with the new stadium and how that's impacted your role
1: Yeah, that actually was one of the things that I was most excited about for the job when I accepted it. Is because now that we own the arena that we're playing in, we have control over all of the operations, which include social media. So when I first joined the organization, we were still playing at Oracle Arena in Oakland. Um, You know, that was my first season there. Was the last season that we played at Oracle, and we didn't run the oracle handles we had no like we were basically just using we were using the building and um when we moved to chase center all of a sudden our responsibilities just like grew exponentially because on top of running a basketball brand we now are running an entire entertainment arenas brand and we are now responsible for covering everything that happens in the arena and not just the games so my team Personally expanded, we hired one other coordinator. She oversees Chase Center specifically, and she's the one who handles the live coverage and most of the posting from the handles. Um, She goes to every single concert, where she went to every single concert, which when we first opened the arena, it was eight concerts in 11 days. And I still don't know how that didn't scare her away. I'm just (laughs) so thankful that she loves music as much as she does. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, my team grew... We have concerts, we have blood drives, we have an entire outdoor plaza area with over a dozen businesses that are leasing land from us that are like restaurants and like our team apparel store and we have breweries and just like all of the coverage for my job specifically grew so, so much when we moved into Chase Center and we took over operations of the arena. So it's been really exciting for me. Um, I had never worked in the entertainment space outside of sports before and so getting a better understanding of how um you know like concert tours work and our relationship with tour promoters versus tour managers versus the artists themselves have been really really interesting and eye-opening to me and i've learned a shit ton just like the first year that we were open even though we weren't even open for a full year Hmm. um, just from those added responsibilities
0: Karen, thank you so much for, you know, having such a great chat today. I've really enjoyed it. And some of some awesome insight into arguably one of the most awesome jobs in the world. I reckon I'm very jealous. Um, and so if you ever need an Australian intern, I'm available. <laughs> perfect.
1: Perfect. <laughs> yeah.
0: But yeah, thank you so much.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you again for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to the digital rookie podcast. I really hope you enjoyed my chat with Karen. If you did, let me know in the review section on Apple Podcasts. I really appreciate all of your feedback. Like I mentioned at the start of the podcast, you can connect with Karen or myself on LinkedIn by following the links in the description. You can also follow at Digital Rookie Hub on Instagram. Make sure to stay up to date with the podcast by clicking that subscribe button. There are some really cool episodes in the works so you won't want to miss out. Thanks again and catch you on the next episode.